Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Magnificent Monday edition of The Yard, actually recording this in the wee hours of Monday morning. I think you guys like it when I do that, when I'm able to kind of stay up late uh, the night before and kind of get the thing done so you've got the full day to kind of check it out and uh, the shows as of late have been longer and I think that is a direct result of uh, me having you know a little more time to get them done in the evenings and so I'm gonna try to do that when I can so we'll get that up and many of you will be able to listen to part of the show on your way to work and then listen to the rest on your way home but uh, that's kind of what we're doing right now and uh, if you were like me you just got done watching the Super Bowl not too long ago I was pulling for the Kansas City Chiefs Not necessarily because uh, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, but I am a Mississippi State fan. And so I want what's good for the brand. And so the fact that uh, Chris Jones, Martinez Rankin, and those guys could potentially win another Super Bowl ring helps the Mississippi State brand. And so I was pulling for those guys that we know. Of course, Willie Gay, unavailable uh, Super Bowl Sunday, had uh, emergency surgery on a knee here uh, recently, nothing major, but I mean, every surgery is, is major when it happens to you, but uh, Willie's expected to make a full recovery and be ready to go by OTAs, and so all that's good, but uh, yeah, but uh, here's the deal, even though Kansas City didn't win, I, I can be honest about Tom Brady. Now, I spent many years, and I tweeted about this earlier, I spent many years hating on Tom Brady because he's so incredibly good. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I make no uh, apologies for that. I don't offer any false pretenses. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And so Tom Brady has kind of been our foil for many years, kept us out of the Super Bowl many times. We've lost to them in the AFC Championship game uh, more times than I care to remember. And it always seemed that Brady always got the calls, but a lot of that's just because Brady understands the game. And when he can get you in a situation where you're vulnerable – Even if they can't complete the pass, he can kind of force you into a situation where you do some things that are uncharacteristic or perhaps, uh, you know, you get beat on a play and uh, you got to commit a penalty to get out of it and prevent a touchdown. But he is so incredibly good. And we've seen that even at Tampa this year. I mean, it's like in the playoffs, he goes down and puts points on the board late. If you give him any time whatsoever before the halftime whistle, he is going to make you pay for it. We've seen it back-to-back weeks. And as much as I hate losing to Tom Brady as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I can respect the fact that we are seeing the greatest quarterback to ever play the game right now. We're living through this moment. Seven Super Bowl rings, you kidding me? It's more than any other franchise in the National Football League. He has more Super Bowl rings as an individual than anybody else. New England and Pittsburgh both have six as franchises. Tom Brady leaves New England. They fall to pieces. He goes to Tampa Bay, a place they haven't won consistently in a long time, and completely changes the culture and turns that things around. And, and, and here's the thing, too. It's not just Tom Brady, but he did change the culture. But you, you look at Leonard Fournette. He was the guy that for 
you know, goodness, when he was a freshman in high school there at St. Augustine, people were saying, you know what, this guy's going to be an NFL player someday. And he has a great career at LSU, doesn't win the Heisman like many people projected. Goes to Jacksonville. They didn't have a lot of weapons around him. He's basically on the scrap heap of pro football. And his career is rejuvenated at Tampa Bay. And a lot of it's got to do with Tom Brady. He talks Gronk out of retirement. And while Gronk hadn't been 100% healthy, I mean, here he is again in the playoffs, scoring a couple touchdowns. And Tom Brady and uh, Rob Gronkowski now the most prolific touchdown tandem in postseason history and Super Bowl history. It's ridiculous what we're seeing. And I don't know if we'll ever see this again. And those are the things you look at. Like when Montana was around, you know, when the, the Niners were so dominant as they were, and everybody said, you know what, Joe Montana's the greatest quarterback that's ever lived. We'll never see this again. Well, we have. We have seen it. You know, and there have been some guys that have been good for a couple years. You know, Big Ben's got a couple Super Bowls. Even Eli Manning has a couple Super Bowls. But, you know, you can run down a list here. I mean, look at you know, some of the prolific quarterbacks that have come up in this era. I mean, Drew Brees, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, and he has the one Super Bowl win. And Tom Brady has seven. And so when you look at how the game has changed, it's become so pass-happy, it's become very air-raid-ish. And you've got all these quarterbacks putting up these ridiculous numbers. But there is one guy that wins when the chips are down the most. He gets the most out of his team, makes everybody around him better. I mean, think about what he's done at Tampa Bay. When he took that gig, everybody said, well, you know, they'll be better, but there's no buts anymore. They're world champions. And so as a, as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I was happy to see him get out of the AFC. I guess that kind of lowers the hurdle a little bit for us because now we don't have the greatest quarterback in the history of the game in the same conference as us, so we can go win the Lamar Hunt Trophy and get to the Super Bowl, hopefully. Probably see Brady there too. But it is amazing what we have seen happen with Tom Brady. And so as a guy that has spent the better part of the last so 15 years hating on Tom Brady, you know, tonight I, I'm, I'm happy to say it. He's the greatest quarterback that's ever played. He's the greatest leader we've ever had. And that's one of the things, too, when you look at, you know, I look at some of his contemporaries and people like that, you know, it's a lot to have want to because a lot of people want to win. But there are so many people that focus more on winning than they do working. And that's the thing I think that impresses me the most with Tom, about Tom Brady is you know, I've seen all the, you know, the, uh, what are they, the, the hard knock stuff and the, the documentary about, you know, when they're up there working and, you know, some of the guys are kind of complaining about the heat and that sort of stuff. And Brady lays into them. And it's just a guy, they'd already won two or three world champions. As he's out there talking to those guys like they're rookies. I guess it was Julian Edelman that said, uh, you know, why don't you get out here and run some routes? And Brady said, well, because it's not my job. You do your job, I'll do my job. And that's one of the things that, you know, about our society. I'm not going to preach about this too, but it's like that's the thing I guess I respect about Tom Brady. There are a lot of quarterbacks that in that situation would have gone to Edelman and said, hey, man, I know it's okay, let's go, get, let's go get some water. But no, Brady's like, no, you go do your job. You're getting paid to go run these routes. We're trying to go win a world championship. Stop whining and crying to me. And, th- and th- there's a lot of people that need a warm glass of that. Stop whining and crying. 
but it impresses me so much. And I guess it's one of those things, too, once you kind of let the emotions go, when you kind of despise somebody for their success, you can appreciate their approach to the game. And I'm absolutely amazed at what Tom Brady has done, especially this year. It it is remarkable. And uh, I thought it was an interesting comment that Tony Romo made, who I honestly, I I think Tony Romo is the best color guy in the NFL right now. I I love him on the games because he always seems to kind of know what's about to happen. And a lot of it's because, I guess, because he's played in this era, kind of understands how defenses are going to kind of scheme up, uh, you know, this more of the air raid offense. But he talked about how things change for them in the bye week. And he goes, you know what happens in the bye week? It's not just about resting and getting better. It's about, you know, everybody kind of sits down and says, okay, listen, let's take these plays out of the playbook. This is what works for us. This is what we're good at. This is what makes us good. Let's do more of what makes us good. And they haven't lost a game since the bye week. It's true. And it's remarkable to see. And uh, I can appreciate greatness in the moment. There are many times in my life where I I didn't appreciate greatness in the moment because when you're emotionally invested in the outcome of a game, sometimes your perception gets a little jaded. But I'm going to appreciate what we have in Tom Brady. I mean, you know, as much as I I hate to say it because he has been a Steeler killer over the years, but anybody right now that's hating on Tom Brady is just somebody that hates Tom Brady. Because if you love the game of football, you have to enjoy his approach to the game and the way he galvanizes people towards a common goal. And listen, I don't know what you think about him personally. I mean, there's a lot of people, I guess, because he, you know, he has these handsome good looks and he married a Brazilian supermodel and everything. His life seems to be so dead gum perfect. You know, he's a big target for the miserable, I would guess. But, um, no matter what you think about the guy as a person, what you think about his politics, whatever, you have to appreciate the fact this guy is doing things we've never seen done in the game of football. And uh, I, for one, am glad that I'm here, you know, because, you know, I look back when I was a kid, I mean, you know, Terry Bradshaw was the one that kind of won me over to the Steelers because, you know, back in the 70s, because I'm from the 1900s, young people, uh, back in the 1970s, there were really only two teams. It was Pittsburgh or the Dallas Cowboys. And... Um, I liked the Steelers. I just liked them better. I thought that, uh, you know, the Cowboys were a little bit, uh, you know, kind of Cadillac, you know what I'm saying? And, and I kind of liked the fact that Pittsburgh was a little more blue-collar. And so that appealed to me, and so I've been a Steelers fan ever since. And uh, it's been a great ride. I guess it kind of offsets some of the uh, disappointment I've had of being a Mississippi State guy sometimes in football. But, uh, you know, I, I love it. And um, as great as Terry was and as big game of guy as he was, he won four Super Bowls. But um, – you know, Tom Brady, obviously a better athlete, and the game has changed a lot too, but uh, I've never seen anything like this. And I don't know, as a young man, I could appreciate, you know, as Terry Bradshaw for what he was other than being the blonde bomber. But, uh, you know, he had Lynn Swan and John Sawyer to throw to out there. But uh, it's remarkable. So I hope you had a good time tonight. I hope you enjoyed, uh, you know, friends and family or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I enjoyed being on social media and watching all the people get excited about the ball game. And uh, one more thing I'm going to say before we move on. One of the things that really irritates me are these people complaining about people attending the game. And it's like, do they not realize there's like 30,000 cardboard cutouts in the stands and it's really not that many people that you could buy a cardboard cutout for $100 and you were entered into a drawing to possibly win two Super Bowl tickets next year. And so most of the faces you saw in the crowd were artificial. And I mean, you know, Artificial as in cardboard, not artificial as in surgically enhanced. But, uh, 
you know, it's just, it's so silly to see the outrage about that sort of stuff. And I, I'm again, I'm not going to chase that rabbit trail for long. But I don't know why we just can't enjoy things. I, I don't understand why there's not anything in the world. Nothing's ever good enough. Nothing's ever safe enough. No matter what we do, what we say, what opinions we have, we're wrong. And uh, I'm not going to feel guilty for living my life and enjoying football because we, there were so many people that rooted against football. Yes, rooted against football. Don't defend them. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't defend them because they did it. They rooted against football all spring and summer, and yet we were able to make it through college football with minimal interruptions. You know, the SEC played all but two games. We crowned the national champion. We had NFL football with very minimal issues, and we just crowned the world champion. And so we've shown that, you know what, with the proper precautions, we can kind of pull these things off. And so then now, right now, there are people saying, well, you know, we can't have spring football. Why? Why can we, we? We can't practice. Why can't we practice? We just played a complete college and pro football season. Why? Why can't we have spring football? It doesn't make any sense. I don't. Sometimes I think people. It's like, okay, well, now that we're over this, let's find a way to root for the virus again. And like I, before, I came on air, I was reading this article. It's like you know what? There there seems to be a lot of optimism right now. And a lot of people are saying, you know what, hey, we can't relax ourselves, but you know what, hospitalizations are going down, infections are going down, people are starting to get vaccinated, so that, you know, there, maybe there is some light at the end of the tunnel, and then somebody comes up with this article, but wait, there's a new strand out there, it's mutated again, you know, and so it's like every step of the way, if we ever make any progress, there are so many people out there that are such fear mongers, and you know, here's the thing, you know, my, my faith and the American medical community is immense. You know, my faith in the worldwide medical community is immense. There are incredibly smart people that are working on this thing, much smarter than me. Now, I don't know if they could get on here and talk intelligently about Mississippi State Athletics, but they can certainly do what they do well in their field. And so I don't pretend to be them. But also know this, that my faith is in a higher power. And I'm not going to go out there and live ignorantly and live recklessly. But also understand that, uh, you know, there's a plan. And if I do the things that I'm supposed to do, if I suit up, show up, and do the next right thing, and I put myself at risk, I think I'm going to be okay. And you know what? If I contract it, I'll I'll deal with it. But I'm I'm not going to go out there and just live, uh, you know, haphazardly. But, you know, my faith, period, is not limited to uh, the medical community. And it's not limited to a vaccine. It's not limited to a mask. It's not limited to a false sense of security. And so I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not. I'm not going to chase this again, too. But uh, I just want to say that, you know, there is so much, there is so much absurdity out there about some of these things. It just absolutely drives me Uh, bananas and I'm sure it does you as well let's try to do something to enjoy life all right let's talk speaking of enjoying life you're going to enjoy life when you go to Bulldog Burger Company great people great food great prices I've told you guys before and I've had many people that like since I started talking about this on the show that have said you know Steve you're right every time that I go to Bulldog Burger Company I end up taking something home or if I'm on the road I end up leaving something behind because the portions are so substantial there's so many people out there that are trying to sell you a lunch or a dinner plate, 
and it always leaves you wanting a little bit more, that's not the case at Bulldog Burger. You're going to get your money's worth there. They're going to bring you that tray of food, and they're going to plop that bad boy down in front of you, and you're going to be like, my goodness. You're going to get plenty to eat. And in this day and time, how cool is it to actually go out there and get probably more than you pay for? That's exactly what you're going to get at Bulldog Burger Company. Have the spring rolls. I encourage you to do that. I can't endorse that highly enough. Try the Bulldog. Try the, the Mission. With the, I get the Pico de Gallo on the side. That way I can kind of control the distribution of it. Maybe you're a little different. You, know, you can have it as you want it. Or you can have the Sweet Heat Chicken Sandwich. You can have the uh, BLT Salad, which is all, always a winner. Always. Two locations now to serve you. Right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. You're going to be glad you went. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. Since we have been together, the Mississippi State men's basketball team has won an intercollegiate basketball game. I watched the game from start to finish. There were some times we got a little bit ragged, but I tell you what, we probably played about as well as we can offensively there in the second half. And I, I, a big road win in the SEC. I'm still hopeful that we can get to 500. And you know, when you get in the SEC tournament, it depends on the draw. You make up there and win a game or two. You know, we have the talent. We're, we're streaky. But when we're making shots, we can be tough to beat. You know, the problem is, if we're not making shots, we don't run an offense really you know, capable of getting us, you know, open looks underneath. You know, we don't run a lot of stuff, a lot of motion type stuff that leads to easy baskets down low. We've got to be able to hit that mid-range and, and long-range game. And we did against South Carolina. So let's not pick it apart. DJ Stewart, outstanding game from him. Outstanding. <laughs> 36 minutes, and again, he's playing a lot of minutes. But you know what? He shot the ball well. 10 of 17 from the floor, 4 of 6 from 3, 5 of 5 from the line. Bulldogs 13 of 18 as a team from the free throw line. Pulls down three boards. Uh, does have a couple turnovers, but uh, offset that with three steals. 29 points for DJ Stewart. I believe that's the second highest scoring total of his career at Mississippi State. Iverson Molinar goes for 16 and 29 minutes of action. He's 5'11 from the floor. Also perfect from the line with 4 of 4. Pull down four uh, d- defensive rebounds. Four assists, three turnovers. Got to get that up too. But I'll be honest with you, we do not run an offensive set consistently that is going to lead to Iverson Molinar getting a ton of assists. It just, that's just not, not going to happen. And again, I'm not hating on Abdul Adu. You know, we just can't lob that ball down there on an entry pass and then expect him to finish. He's still going to fumble the ball out of bounds. And it was a pass one time. It was a little bit hot. But that's just not his game. And, uh, you know, maybe at some point we get back to that. You know, I, I miss the days of Charles Rhodes where, you know, if we ever lobbed it down there to him, more times than not it was going to be a basket. Uh, Lawrence Roberts kind of like that too. We just don't have anybody we can run some post offense through. Uh, Tolu Smith, you know, played a pretty decent ball game for us. Uh, pulls down eight rebounds, uh, nine points. Got four fouls, and a couple of those I thought were really, really, really cheap. A couple of moving screens called. I, I, I really think this year officiating has been better. I really think, and, and, I, and it's when you say this in a win, it doesn't sound like sour grapes. We won this ball game going away, but I thought the officiating was trash in this ball game. I thought it was the worst officiated game of the year. And there's only been a couple of games that I look at and say, you know what, man, this has been really bad. And it just seemed like they made up their mind before the ball games. hey, moving screens are going to be a point of emphasis, even if they're not really moving. If there's any, if there's any you know, subjectiveness to this, we're going to go ahead and call it a foul. 
you know, if it's not a deliberate moving screen, it shouldn't be called. I mean, sometimes what happens is guys see a screen's being set and they try to get over the top of it and they initiate the contact and then we call the screener. And that's happened a lot of times in that ball game. Uh, and I really thought it happened some against South Carolina too. But uh, I thought the officiating was really bad in the ball game. And again, I say that, uh, you know, would state winning this ball game going away. Uh, Devon Smith, 29 minutes, eight points. We're starting to see some flashes from him too. He didn't shoot it exceptionally well. I do like the fact that he is willing to get out and run it. And sometimes he's got to learn that discretion is a better part of Valor. Sometimes if you get out there and it's not there, don't force it. Kind of pull it back out. Let's set it up and run a set. You know, uh, get the ball to Iverson, Molinar, and we'll see what happens. Uh, we talked about Abdul Adu. You know, again, he's not a guy that's going to fill up the stat sheet, but he is a great post defender. 28 minutes of action, just one or three from the floor, pulled down seven boards, stayed out of foul trouble, and I thought one of the fouls called against him was really cheap too. Just the two points for him and uh, did pick up a couple blocks, altered some other shots as well. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Derek Fountain. You know, he's one of our freshmen. We didn't expect a lot from him this year, but he has earned some minutes and uh, has come out bombing. You know, didn't uh, only had, uh, you know, 29 minutes of action this time, but uh, those are starter-type minutes. It's the second most on the team. Only D.J. Stewart played more. But Derek Fountain's a guy that's come in, and, uh, you know, you can get him open in the corner, and he can knock down a shot for you. Three of four from the floor, two of two from three. Knocks down his only uh, free throw, pulls down four rebounds, and then two assists, two turnovers, nine points, and a steal. You know what? If we're going to get that play off the bench with a guy like that, it's going to help us in the SEC tournament. I mean, it absolutely is. And this is a guy, too, that hadn't done a whole lot this year. You know, let's just kind of look at his numbers here. I think it's important to kind of understand, you know, we've got some guys that are clearly earning some playing time in practice. You know, Quentin Post is a guy that's kind of been in and out of lineup some. But, uh, you know, he's, again, kind of giving you some optimism, as is Derek Fountain. I mean, and that's the thing, too. We, we see it night in, night out. You know, you kind of know what you're going to get from DJ and you know what you're going to get from Iverson. But if we get a night or one of those two in scoring – Somebody's got to step up, and Fountain has kind of proven to be a good third scoring option for us. Um, you know, looking at the uh, the numbers here for Fountain, he's played in a handful of games. Uh, he played at Texas, played against Texas State a couple of minutes, and uh, didn't attempt a shot. And of course, played against Jackson State and Valley. Really began to kind of find uh, you know a niche on this team, and played in the Iowa State game. Comes in and uh, you know five minutes of action, three of three from the floor, knocks down a three. Puts in seven points. Well, the next thing you know, he's playing on a road at Arkansas. Nine minutes of action, knocks down a couple shots, a couple threes, seven points again. Then he plays against South Carolina, his most extensive action of his college career. And so we're beginning to kind of find that extra guard. And that's important because we play Molinar and we play Stewart so many minutes. So if we can get, you know, you get Fountain to come in here and give you some minutes and give those guys a blow, it's going to make us a fresher team down the stretch. Now, looking at uh, a couple other things before we kind of look ahead to, uh, to LSU here, and we'll get more into that later in the week. But, um, you know, looking at these things, look as a team here, you know, as a team, you know, we shoot 50%, uh, and then we're 62% from three, 10 of 19 from three points, and uh, that's going to win some ball games when you're shooting 
that well. And then 13 of 18 from the line. So a couple things that have been issues for us, making the, the three-point basket and making our free throws. And so, you know, we kind of find a way to get that done. And so uh, that's big. And then looking at the other side of things, you know, looking, you know, defensively here, uh, we held uh, South Carolina to five of 25 from the three-point line. And we held them to 31% shooting overall. So defensively, we played well. Offensively, we took a step forward. And we won a ball game. And it really wasn't close there in the second half. 75-59. We got a little sloppy there at the end. I think we kind of got a little bit tired. But we win the ball game. And uh, one we had to have. So let's look ahead now kind of briefly to LSU. We will play them on Wednesday. So on Wednesday morning, we will have a more extensive scouting report. But just to look ahead here. Very much a winnable game for Mississippi State. Very much. A lot of people expected LSU to be really good this year. They're not. They got the dark cloud of the NCAA investigation over their heads. It's one of the things, too. I see a lot of people on message boards say, well, Will Wade survived all this. Well, all of this isn't over. You know, the, the LSU has not gone before the committee on infractions. To be honest with you, I think – Will Wade and his representation probably put LSU in a no-win situation. You can't fire him based on allegations that haven't, you know, kind of gone through the process. You can say, well, you know, you heard this tape, and all that's true. But I don't know if you can fire a guy just based off that. And so I'm sure that's something his legal representation brought up. Because you remember he was suspended, and then LSU reinstated him. And LSU people said, okay, well, good, that's over. And then the NCAA announced they were investigating. Uh, I guess they didn't announce that. I guess it was confirmed. But, you know, Will Wade is expected to be named in his notice of allegations. Until, until he is, until he has his day before the Committee on Infractions, LSU might be in a situation where they cannot fire him for cause. And so they may be being held hostage. Now, you could also say, too, that, you know, if you're LSU, you know, how many times have we seen this happen where there's kind of a rogue coach or whatever that's out there doing some things, and uh, as soon as the NCAA hammer comes down and these guys are named in the allegations, they go ahead and fire the coach to help try to mitigate the damage. That may be the case as well, and I don't think Will Wade is helping himself uh, as it stands right now. LSU, uh, let me look here, LSU 11-6 and six overall and 6-4 and four in the league kind of looking at what they've done here as of late. Uh, they've lost, what, four or five? Yeah, that's right. They, they lose by 30 to Alabama. No shame in that. Of course, Alabama loses their first conference game of the year uh, over the weekend to Missouri. They get blown out then at Kentucky. They find a way to, to kind of rally together and beat A&M on the road, 78-66. They keep it close with number 10 Texas Tech in Baton Rouge, but they lose, and then they get blown out again by Alabama, 78-60. to The uh, game against Florida was postponed due to some uh, COVID issues, and so this will be their first ball game uh, in a week's time. They'll, they had the weekend off. So, again, four or five, but they have played some really good competition and just haven't played exceptionally well. Now, looking at opponents in common, you know, this one of the more recent ones, obviously, is LSU beat South Carolina 85-80. to 80. Uh, they're in Baton Rouge. They also, uh, you know, beat Ole Miss, and then they beat Georgia. So, you know, we played some teams in common. But, um, you know, it's all about matchups. You know, Florida beat them 83-79 down at the O'Donnell Center, or O'Connell Center, whatever it is. 
Uh, but you understand my point is that this is a winnable ball game for State. You know, a couple of weeks ago we looked at this and thought, you know what, this might be a tough draw for State. Uh, we should have won that ball game in Baton Rouge last year. You may have forgotten that. We should have won the game. Um, but uh, be that as it may, those guys are coming in. We have a chance to win this ball game and uh, take another step towards, you know, 500. I still think that's, that's possible. I, I really do. I still think we've got a good chance – uh, to do that, and when you look at the schedule now, and you begin to think about, okay, you know, what do you have left? Uh, you know, there's not there's not a game on here I look at and say, you know what, that's a certain loss, but there's also not any that I say is a certain win. We're 11 and nine overall, and there's a real chance to get there. Uh, let's look at the schedule here real quick before we change topics here. But looking at our schedule, LSU a winnable game. And then Vanderbilt and Starville, also a winnable game. Even though the Commodores have played better as of late, you get them at our place. So you win those two games, and you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. But uh, you win those two ball games, all of a sudden, you know, you're four games over 500 with just a few games left to play. Uh, the t- road trip to Auburn will be difficult. The road trip to Ole Miss will be difficult. And Ole Miss has won the last couple ball games. Kermit's got them playing pretty well again. Then South Carolina comes in here. We host Alabama which is going to be a tough draw. And then uh, we go to A&M. And so there's a real chance we get to 500 and with a little luck perhaps get over 500. And all things considered, and listen, I have been very critical of Ben Howland at times on this show and on the message boards and everything else. But I think if we're being objective here, if we end up 500 or with a winning record with all that we lost, we're actually okay. I know sometimes it's a boy brand of basketball, and there have been so many times I've come out and said, you know what, we need change, and we do need change. But I think some of that change is going to come from the maturation of some of our younger players. And, um, you know, there are times I don't have any clue what we're doing offensively, and I think there are times some of our players don't know what we're doing offensively. But we're athletic enough to get out there and go win some ball games. And so I believe if we can find a way you know, to get to 500 or a winning record, I think that really gives you a springboard into – into next year. And, and, I, and again, barring a retirement, I think that uh, Ben Howland is back next year. And I think in many ways he's probably owed that when you think about the fact that, okay, you've got these young guys, and if you can find a way to get a winning record with them this year or anywhere close to that, that bodes well, you know, for next year. And so we'll see how things progress and develop. But um, I, think it's, uh, think, I think it's probably time to take a little bit of a deep breath. There's a lot of venom out there on social media and that sort of stuff. And when we win a ball game, let's not forget that we won a ball game. There's sometimes I know when it's like when you want change, you'd like, oh, my, I just wish we'd lose a ball game so we can make a coaching change. I've never rooted against Mississippi State, and, and I never will. I always want what's best for Mississippi State. And I'd like to see Ben Howland turn this thing around and make us a perennial NCAA tournament team. That We've never really done that in our history. But I would love nothing more from that to happen. I, and my loyalty is to Mississippi State, not to a coach. And so as long as Ben Howland is our coach, uh, I'm going to hope that he does well for us. And I hope that you share uh, those same sentiments. Today's top ten list brought to you by Dr. Robert Yarber of the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. Two locations to serve you right here on Stark Road uh, in Starkville and then uh, up in Tupelo right there on Pegram Drive. That's 910 Stark Road in Starkville and 618 618 Pegram Drive there in Tupelo. You know, are you a person that kind of deals with those nagging sinus headaches, especially this time of the year? There's a lot of that going around. 
Maybe you've got pressure pain around your eyes and you have a chronic stopped up nose. It's like you just can't seem to shake it. You get out there and you take some over-the-counter cold medicine. You try to treat your symptoms, but for some reason you just can't get loose. You need to go see Dr. Yarber. He can help you with that. That's what he does. There's a lot of people out there that are kind of jacks of all trades. Nope, nope, not Dr. Yarber. He's focused on the ear, nose, and throat practice. Go by and see him. It's, you know, listen, if you've had chronic problems with this, it might be something that's easily correctable. And it may be something that Zyrtec can't fix. And also, Dr. Yarber is going to be, uh, you know, any surgical procedures he does, he's supporting OCH. And we own that hospital here in the county, so we want the hospital to do well. Make an appointment today if you're a person that's struggling with those issues. Call 662-844-6513. Again, 662-844-6513. Dr. Robert Yarber of the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. Top 10 list. we got some rock and roll today. Excited about this list. I loved last Monday's list, too. And uh, what's interesting, too, and uh, I haven't got the final numbers from Roy. Roy and I had dinner uh, Saturday night. But uh, last numbers I heard is that I believe that our obscure power ballads list kind of led the charge last week. Alabama was okay. Commodores was okay. But uh, you guys enjoyed your rock and roll on Monday. And maybe that's a cool way to do it. Maybe we need some rock on Monday to kind of get us motivated and get back in the work week. So we're going to do some rock and roll again today. I know many of you are rock and roll fans, and uh, you may be casual fans of the rock. But I'm, I'm going to go a little deeper with you today. So I'm going to do best rock side projects, right? Somebody's had great notoriety or success in one band, and they do a project on the side to kind of you know satisfy some creative urges that maybe doesn't fit the confines or the constraints of their current band. So they go do some solo work, or they put a super group together, whatever. And so here are my top ten, and then probably one of my one of my favorite songs from each of these bands. Okay, so. And listen, I changed a couple tunes around because it didn't fit, you know, the tone, I guess, of the list. But this is one right here. If you, if you didn't get your morning cup of coffee, you turn this thing on right here. You turn it on, you turn it up loud. You sing to the top of your lungs, and you feel good about life. That's my directive, my order to you today. Put this list on. It'll make you feel better about life. Number 10, from Vince Neal's solo album, Exposed. It's you're invited, but your friend can't come. There's a party happening tonight, and you're invited, but your friend can't come. And I uh, hope she's a good wing lady. But, um, you know, some of Vince's uh, solo stuff's kind of hit or miss. To me, this is the best solo album of uh, the Vince catalog. The exposed album is the best, and you're invited, but your friend can't come is absolutely the best tune. Now, I got, I got to explain this next one for you. Number nine, I know some of you Leds Up on Purists are going to hate this, but I loved the Coverdale Page album. I did. Now, for some reason, it has disappeared from iTunes and Spotify. The only thing I can figure is perhaps there's some kind of licensing dispute or whatever, but I love the song Pride and Joy. You can find it on YouTube. No, it's not a cover of the Stevie Ray Vaughan song. It's a really cool track, very bluesy, got kind of up-tempo. But we couldn't find it on Spotify, so we replaced it because I love David Coverdale. I don't know if you know this, that Coverdale and Whitesnake have like remastered a lot of the old hits. 
and then they have released some B-sides. They've kind of you know, modernized those songs. And there is a really cool one off of, um, there's, the, there's the love songs, there's the rock album and the blues album. And uh, there's a song called Can You Hear the Wind Blow? It's going to be on this list. And so it's not Coverdale Page. It wasn't even wrote during those writing sessions. But uh, it's a song that David Coverdale sings on that uh, you likely have never heard. And so since we couldn't get Coverdale Page on the Spotify list, I wanted to get some Coverdale on there, maybe turn you on to some of those those uh, new Whitesnake tracks. I think you're going to dig them. I'm a huge Whitesnake fan. Uh, I love the remastered stuff. And uh, I love I love that the, there's some stuff out there, too, that David does that uh, kind of reminds you he's one of the best rock blues vocalists of all time. Number eight, one of my favorites do, oh, my gosh. I, I, when, this, when this thing came out, I was a little bit scared because the music was so good, I was afraid Rat wouldn't get back together, right? So Stephen Piercy from Rat put together a group with Fred Curry, the drummer from Cinderella, a band called Arcade. And they had a great single that was a really big hit. Uh, on the rock stations and on the Headbangers Ball. And it's a song called Nothing to Lose. And I love the lyrics of that. And there are sometimes it opens with that infectious bass line. And I get out there on the road and uh, I just about blow my speakers. I absolutely love that song. Number seven, uh, to me, the greatest rock star of my generation is Nikki Six of Motley Crue. And Nikki has a side project. He's had a couple. He had the Brides of Destruction, uh, which is okay. But uh, I really like 6 a.m. with DJ Ashby. It's, uh, it's a really good, different departure from crew. It's a little more modern. And probably my favorite song from uh, 6 a.m. is a song called This Is Gonna Hurt. And uh, it's about getting clean and sober. It's about being honest with yourself. It's like, you know what, I found this problem in my life. And so rather than ignoring it, I'm gonna just going to have, I'm just going to perform an autopsy on it. I'm going to dig down deep and I'm going to find that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that out of my life. And so to me, it's a song of inspiration. So this is going to hurt. It's about healing, not about suffering. Number six, uh, I absolutely love this first album. It's, uh, the album is called Double Eclipse. The band is called Hardline. And Neil Sean from Journey was producing this album. And the lead guitar player quit. And Neil loved the music so much. They were kind of under the gun to get the record recorded. Neil Sean joined the Hardline and then played these songs, and it is some of the best guitar work of his career. You all know him from Journey, and you all, if you follow him on Twitter, it's like or in Instagram, he has new tunes almost every single day. He's, he is a virtuoso. People forget that he played with Santana at 16 years of age at Woodstock. But there's a song on that album. It's called uh, the first single on that album was called "Bringing Me Down," which is killer. The whole album is great, but the best song on that album. It's a song called Hot Cherie. And uh, it's, listen, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now. It's full of testosterone, okay? It's not one of these, uh, it's not a power ballad. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of power behind it, but it's not, uh, it's not a love song by any stretch of the imagination. Kind of along those same lines. Number five, one of my favorite guitar players of all time, George Lynch. Had the pleasure of meeting George a couple times. George Lynch had a side project when uh, he and Don Dockin could not come to terms on some things, and the band's called Lynch Mob, and uh, they no longer perform as Lynch Mob because um, uh, George has got some other irons in the fire. And, you know, he just says, you know, listen, I just, you know, I don't think the name uh, is uh, is appropriate in this day and time. But there's the title track off the first Lynch Mob album. It's a song called Wicked Sensation, and uh, I love that warm distortion. I love the way the song opens up. 
And again, this is another one of those songs that is uh, full of testosterone and probably some VO5 or something like that. Uh, you'll dig it. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. I don't think there's a bad song on the album. I listen to this album in its entirety regularly. You know, that's the thing about iTunes and Apple Music. You know, you get these single-serving things, you listen to one song. I love the journey a full album takes you on, and that's what this album does for me. I absolutely dig it. Number four, a little more modern. Many of you are not Slipknot fans. I am a Slipknot fan, and I was kind of late to the party because I thought they were very, very obnoxious in the beginning. And then after a while, it kind of grew on me, and, uh, you know, psychosocial and all that stuff. And uh, it was a little bit different, but I think they have really matured over time. But to be honest with you, I love Corey Taylor, but I love his work with Stone Sour more than I do Slipknot. I, I, I just do. I know some of you are thinking, oh, Steve, you're not a real rocker. Listen, I think Nero Forte is an incredible Slipknot song, but uh, I love... What is it? The House of Golden Bones? I think it's what it's called, that album. And uh, Stone Sour. We went with Gone Sovereign. And, uh, of course, it's kind of a two-parter. It goes Gone Sovereign and then Absolute Zero. And, like, it, there's no pause. It goes right from Gone Sovereign into that. I uh, absolutely love both of those tracks. And, uh, again, those are real bangers for sure. Corey Taylor recently put a solo album out, too, if you haven't heard. And uh, it's pretty dope as well. Number three. I'm a big Tool fan, and uh, I love everything that Maynard James Keenan does, but I love Perfect Circle. And there are sometimes I could almost talk myself into liking the Perfect Circle stuff as much as Tool when I, it depends on the mood that I'm in. I, I got a chance to see a Perfect Circle at Rocklahoma a couple years ago. It was great. It was uh, one of those experiences you look back and say, man, was I really there? That's how it was phenomenal, how good it was. Going back to the very first perfect circle album i almost i even wrote down three libras because three libras is actually my favorite song on that album but i went with judith because i thought you know we're kind of rocking out today and three libras is one of those you know it's it's really kind of a song that builds it's got a really cool vibe to it but i wanted to just punch you in the face right right out of the gate and so we went with judith i love the lyrics on that song um there's so many great things about maynard james keenan he is an absolute genius but Perfect Circle kind of allows him to do some things kind of outside of, uh, of Tool that I think allow him to kind of expand himself a little bit. Uh, number two, and I don't know if we could, if technically this is a, is a side project, but because of the fact that Chris Cornell is really the singer in Soundgarden, or was, I'm calling Audio Slave a side project. I, I love Audio Slave. I like everything they've done. There are so many songs that uh, I'll rediscover, and they just kind of hit an emotional place. But uh, I go back to the very beginning when I first realized that uh, this Audio Slave thing was more than just a gimmick, that it was a serious, serious musical force, and it's a song like a stone. And uh, one of the things that I think is amazing is that, uh, you know, when the Prophets of Rage get together, you know, Tom Rowe and those guys, that they still play like a stone and they leave the mic open and the crowd sings like a stone with Chris, uh, you know, because Chris obviously has passed on. And so I wanted to mention that to kind of honor his memory. Uh, number one, in my mind, the number one side project, you know, really, I guess, of my lifetime, it's Velvet Revolver. I absolutely love both of those albums, especially the first one, you know, Scott Weiland, of course, from the Stone Temple Pilots, joins up with Matt Sorum and uh, Duff McKagan and Slash from Guns N' Roses. We have talked about the song Slither on this show before. 
So I decided to go with the one that was a little more radio friendly to people love, and it's Fall to Pieces. And uh, I, I love that track. There's so many people that I know that when they heard it the first time, it made this whole Velvet Revolver thing real, that it wasn't just like a cash grab or something because Guns N' Roses couldn't tour or whatever. It made it feel like a real band, and you wanted those guys to kind of get back together. And, of course, you can't because Scott Wyland is gone. But uh, So those are my top ten uh, rock side projects. And uh, I know somebody's, some, one of you guys is going to have a great one that I missed, and uh, you'll hit me up on it, and I'll regret that. But uh, I think these are some cool ones, and many of these you probably have never heard but several of these songs are kind of on the soundtrack of my life. You know, I mean, it's like I listen to these songs regularly. And so when I sat down today and said, you know, what can we do to kind of put a different spin on rock today? I thought we would go with this. So if you like these people in their primary bands, you're going to love these as well. One of the things, too, I'll, I'll remind you, too. If you didn't know, like that Vince Neil track, You're Invited But Your Friends Can't Come, the guitarist on that album is Steve Stevens from Billy Idol. And so, if you know what I'm talking about, the guy with the big black hair, who still just absolutely, absolutely kills it. And uh, he had a solo project in the late 80s called Steve Stevens Atomic Playboys that he absolutely shreds. And he shows that he's not just like a top 40 rock guitarist. He is absolutely legit. So, there's your little bonus. Go check out Steve Stevens Atomic Playboys on iTunes when you get a chance. This segment of the show brought to you by our friends at Campus Bookmart and uh, longtime sponsors of the show. Stand the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. Uh, going to see Susie is worth the price of admission at Campus Bookmart. She'll smile at you like she's known you forever. She'll treat you like family. They all will because they're so happy that you're going to come in and kind of share your fandom with them. Uh, if you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And I don't know if you saw this. Uh, they recently, they've got these new great pullovers, these MSU baseball pullovers, and uh, I shared it on Twitter, and I encourage you to, when you visit them at their website, campusbookmart.net, use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks, right? I mean, anytime you can save a little money, especially if you got to get something for yourself or a gift, and you know, these days I do a lot of online shopping just because of the fact that... Um, there's a lot of things that I can't get locally, and so, uh, and I also don't want to get out. So, so, anytime that I can find a promo code, I'm happy, right? So that just by you being a loyal Boneyard listener, is a promo code for you. BSR at campusbookmark.net. All right. So on Sunday, I spent basically my whole day, probably from about nine in the morning to about three, uh, doing some research about the top recruits in the state of Mississippi for football. You can read that article in its entirety on jeanspage.com. It's free. It's also out there on several of the Facebook groups, and I have uh, tweeted it on my social media. So if you're having trouble finding it, go to jeanspage.com or go to my Twitter feed or my personal Facebook, and you'll find it. But I was curious. You know, some days I wake up and I wonder, what am I going to write about today? And I got to thinking about, you know, we have all these players we argue about, we fuss about. This guy's number one. This guy should be number one. This guy's overrated. This guy's underrated. What if we went back and just took a look, took a huge sample size of the top players in the state of Mississippi and how they did? So I went all the way back to 2000. So these are the top recruits in the state of Mississippi, top rated recruits in the state for the last 20 years. How's that? From 2000 
to 2020. I guess we'll go and throw in 2021 uh, Deion Smith signed with LSU out of Provine this year. So going back, and I won't, I won't spend a lot of time on these, but um, there are a couple of things I wanted to point out. Uh, 2000 Jason Campbell from Taylorsville High School, Mississippi State fans hoped to get him. He went to Auburn, had a great career there, ended up going to the NFL, I guess played nine years there. Uh, 2001, Chris Spencer from Madison Central won the 1999 state championship at Madison Central, uh, had a perfect season, and went to Ole Miss and ended up going to the league and uh, hanging around for several years up there. 2002, J-Rock, Jarius Norwood from Brandon High School, five-star player, went to Mississippi State. 2003, Delwan Robinson, the highest-rated recruit to ever sign with Mississippi State, Delwan Robertson out of Hernando. Didn't get drafted, but did did play three years for the Houston Texans. 2004, Oak Grove linebacker Gary Pack went to Ole Miss, ultimately was dismissed from the team, transferred to West Alabama. Very prolific guy, tackled a whole lot. He did not translate to the next level, did not get an opportunity to go. 2005, uh, Jarrell Poe from uh, Wayne County. And listen, he was a dominant player in high school. I know he had a lot of qualification issues, but uh, there was never any knocking Gerald Poe's talent. Uh, I think even the truest of the true Maroon of the Bulldogs would say, you know what, that guy's really talented. He kind of battled a wrist injury most of his career, but uh, got up there and played uh, in the league for a couple years, but uh, was not the player many expected him to be. I think some of that, too, is because of all his qualification issues. I think he kind of misses window a little bit. But, uh, you know, he wasn't what – Ole Miss needed him to be or made him out to be. I think his, his first year he played was 2008. He had eight tackles. 2006, Alan Walker from Olive Branch. That was a year two. I think they had five SEC signees. I think it's or four or five SEC signees of Olive Branch. You know, we had one. We had uh, Anthony Summers and then Marquis Summers, and Alan Walker went to Ole Miss, and they had a defensive lineman that went to Tennessee, and it seems like there was another one. I know a couple of those kids signed with Memphis, but that was when Olive Branch was really kind of becoming – you know, a power in uh, 5A North in Mississippi. And Alan Walker was expected to be the best player on that team and uh, kind of had a pretty pedestrian career at Ole Miss, kind of outgrew the safety position, became a linebacker, uh, and just, you know, really it, things never really got on track for him. 2007, and this is one of the ones I'll never forget, Chris Strong. There were so many people that were so high on Chris Strong. And one of the, I remember having these conference calls. And we had these conference calls with Scott. We talked rankings or whatever. And I'm telling everybody, I said, there's no way this kid's going to play linebacker. Never. He will never play linebacker in the SEC. And people wanted to argue me down and said, oh, yeah, he can do it. The game was changing even back then. And Chris was playing at, what, 6'1", 245 pounds? And so, of course, as soon as he gets to college, they put him, they put him at defensive end. And I kind of laughed. I thought, you know what? These guys don't know how to project players. I mean, when's the last time that you've seen one of those big, beefy Mike linebackers in the SEC? The game has changed, and it was changing then. And so Chris Strong went to Ole Miss, uh, didn't do much, left, went to Northwest Community College, and then uh, never really did much after that. But uh, it's one of those ones, too. There were so many people that were trying to argue that he was the number one linebacker in America, and he absolutely wasn't. I told you so, Yancey. I told you so. Uh, 2008, DeAndre Brown out of Ocean Springs, an absolute stud, and he had that horrific leg injury. You know, he broke his leg, I guess it was in the 2008 New Orleans Bowl, 
And, uh, you know, there was some problems. You know, later in his career, you know, I know late in the ball game, I remember what, that look on his face when he's walking off the field, um, his final game at Southern Miss. And uh, he had a prolific career there. But uh, he was rated the number three receiver in America. And uh, elected to go to Southern Miss, Tony Hughes, who had – and I don't know if you guys know this, DeAndre Brown was headed to Ole Miss. He was actually a private commitment to Ole Miss. And then they had the coaching change up there, and uh, Tony Hughes lands at Southern Miss, him and Frank Wilson, and they convinced DeAndre to come there and because it was going to be about 90 minutes from home, and uh, they got it done. 2009, Pat Patterson, another guy that was uh, – he was a three-star throughout the process, and he goes to the U.S. Army game, and he has a big catch. Next thing you know, he's borderline five-star. And uh, I always really thought Pat was you know, a really bad route runner, but he had incredible hands. He was one of those guys that – he had a long catch radius, and if you ever got the ball near him, he would take ownership of it. But uh, he loafed on his routes a lot. And uh, goes to Ole Miss, gets dis- gets suspended, eventually dismissed, goes to East Mississippi, quits the football team. And last I heard, Pat was actually serving in the U.S. Army. So God bless you, Pat, wherever you are, and thanks for your sacrifices and service to our country. 2010, Sean Coleman, offensive tackle from Olive Branch, and he was a guy that was kind of a late bloomer. A lot of people knew who Damian Robinson was, but Sean Coleman actually was a better athlete and had a better career and is still in the National Football League now. He signs with Auburn, and shortly after he signs, he found out he has leukemia. It was very, very serious. At one time, people were concerned he may not make it. He did make it, came back and had a full career, played three years at Auburn, and uh, eventually got drafted and uh, is now with the San Francisco 49ers and opted out this year due to COVID. Uh, and who could blame him? He was a guy that's had some uh, medical conditions, and so – Sean, we wish you the best. I remember going and watching him play live against uh, MUS and Barry Bernetti and how impressed I was with him that night to watch him in action. 2011, C.J. Johnson, former Mississippi State commitment. C.J. Johnson flipped to Ole Miss, played most of his college career out of position. But, but to be honest with you, he didn't let that slow him down. He was still a very productive player at defensive end, even though he – Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. 
That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. He was undersized. He just kind of stayed broke up a lot. Uh, but there's no arguing that C.J. Johnson wasn't a tough player. He was. I believed I would think that if he had played linebacker at Mississippi State for three years, he'd probably be in the NFL today. But uh, I digress. But uh, there's no knocking the fact that C.J. Johnson didn't play hard for Ole Miss. He absolutely did. He absolutely did go up there and play hard and play well. And uh, it didn't work out as far as an NFL career. But uh, he's still in the game and uh, coaching football. Number 2012, Channing Ward. You remember Channing Ward, right? And uh, – Played mostly as a backup at Ole Miss. It never really got on track up there. He was always a freak of an athlete. For some reason, could not stay on the field. Kind of had a pedestrian career there. Earns an opportunity to go to camp with Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it makes the team and hangs around basically as a practice squatter for three years and then tore a patella tendon, and that pretty much ended his run in the National Football League. And so he kind of overcame the fact that Ole Miss did not know how to develop or play defensive linemen and still spend some time in the National Football League. So credit to Channing for doing that. 2013, a guy you're familiar with, uh, Chris Jones. There was no doubt Chris Jones is the number one player in the state. And people forget this. The first time that I saw Chris Jones was at a Mississippi State camp, a team camp, and he was there with Nettleton High School as an offensive lineman. And I met him, and he told me he was a sophomore. And I said, let me get your information, take your picture. Because he was that freakish, even at that point. He goes to Houston, they move him to the defensive end, and that was his natural position, and it changed his life forever. Chris Jones, a great guy. Got its, uh, a very wealthy guy now. What, $85 million over four years? Think right, $60 million guaranteed. Ridiculous type numbers. I, I mistakenly said on the show here about a week ago that he was on a franchise tag, and uh, Jay Clark reached out to me and said, Steve, you might have missed it, but they actually closed the deal right before the end of uh, – you know, the negotiations, and, and they did, and I missed it. So, Jay, thanks for the heads up there, and uh, congratulations, Chris, on uh, a life-changing event, uh, to say the least. 2014, Rod Taylor, an offensive guard, rated the top player. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of got a problem having offensive guards as a top player. I don't know who I would have picked that year, and that's probably one of the projects for next week is kind of figuring out who should have been in one prospect in their class in these years. But, uh, you know, Rod – it's easy to find a guard, right? Uh, but Rod Taylor is a guy that uh, actually played up and down the line at Ole Miss, played left tackle, right tackle, played some at right guard. Eventually got drafted in the seventh round by the Cincinnati Bengals and tore an ACL and, and kind of missed his window uh, and was out of football after that. 
the next year we had another offensive guard as the number one prospect, Javon Patterson. I actually like Patterson better than Rod Taylor. I think Patterson's a better athlete. Uh, Patterson's a guy that played as a true freshman at Ole Miss and went to work and had a good career and also drafted in the seventh round uh, by the Indianapolis Colts and then uh, went the next year to the Giants as a practice squatter and then this past year made his NFL debut in week 16 for the Cleveland Browns against the New York Jets. 2016, another name you may know, Jeff Simmons from Knoxville County. And uh, that was a loaded year. Like some of these guys kind of make number one, and it's really, you know, it's kind of like the king of mediocrity. Uh, not this year. The year that Jeff Simmons was number one, that's the same year that A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf came out. That's your, that's your one, two, three right there. And Jeff Simmons uh, rated the highest. And I think in hindsight I would still make that pick. And it's just that loaded a year. And, and that's the thing. All year long I said A.J. Brown. I liked A.J. Brown better than D.K. And I still would not go back on that. And that's not, that's not a slight on D.K. It's like some people said, oh, well, you're just saying that because he's going to Ole Miss. No, I just like A.J. a little bit better. And they both went to Ole Miss. That's, to be number three in the state that year, as loaded as it was, is like being number one in an average year. And so D.K. Metcalf obviously has been a great pro. Uh, all three of these guys have. And uh, we got a chance to cover all those guys here. And, uh, you know, it, it's an interesting deal. But Jeff Simmons, of course, a guy that uh, tears an ACL and, and pre-draft workouts and still goes in the first round and comes back and plays uh, at a high level. 2017, Cam Akers from, Florida, from uh, Clinton goes to Florida State. Uh, Sko Akers, the very first time that I interviewed Cam, I, I called Sko. The number I had was for Sko Akers. It's Cam's father. And uh, he goes, hey, listen, we appreciate the, uh, the interview and the publicity because Cam had come to my camp combine in Canton that year and had a chance to meet him, great young man. And um, Sko said then, hey, you know, be honest with you, we're, we're really looking to go out of state. You know, we're going we're gonna to go through the process, but we're really looking to go out of state. So from my very first interactions with them, the expectation was set for me to run go out of state. Now, some other people will tell you differently. They'll tell you from their sources Oh, no, that he, he, being at Ole Miss was in his heart. Uh, that's not the information that I had from the beginning of the process when uh, Cam was a sophomore and even to, into his junior year, that he really wanted to go out of state and hopefully go to a blue blood and eventually get to the NFL. And that's exactly what he did. And I don't know why he would have gone to Ole Miss anyway. You know, Ole Miss had all these issues, and, and it's not like Hugh Freeze had ever had, I think in his career, had had 1,000-yard rusher, and that was like his first year at Lambeth. You know, I mean, it's like it just that's just not what they do. So Cam Akers goes to Florida State. It wasn't a great run for the Seminoles, but Cam Akers was not to blame for that. Uh, had a really good career there, I guess about 3,500 yards from scrimmage. Uh, an impressive career, and then goes in the second round to the Rams and uh, had a good rookie year this year. 2018 top player in the year, a Mississippi State Bulldog, Malik Heath. He's still here, so we can't talk about the NFL stuff. But, you know, he became a priority target later in the year this year, uh, expecting him to miss game one next year after all of the uh, chicanery, after the uh, Armed Forces Bowl. But uh, I think Malik, he's a guy, too. If he stays a couple more years, he'll probably be playing some pro football. Number 19, 2019, Nicobe Dean at a Horn Lake. And Horn Lake went through a stretch there where they weren't producing a lot of prospects. But I think as things kind of settled in DeSoto County, you know, because everybody used to want to go to Olive Branch. I think now you're seeing the talent somewhat kind of diluted. You know, people are kind of – it's a little more evenly distributed now. And the Kobe Dean has gone to Horn Lake and done a great job. And uh, now he's at the University of Georgia and is off to a great start with his career. 2020 was McKinley Jackson 
signed with Texas A&M. I can't remember the last time A&M signed a player out of Mississippi, out of high school. They have signed a couple of JUCO guys uh, from time to time. But, uh, but yeah, he's off to a good start. And, uh, you know, we'll see how things develop. I thought McKinley Jackson was easily the number one player last year. Barton Simmons made a big case for Emmanuel Forbes. And you know what? If we had to re-rank based on their, their rookie year, their freshman year, I think Emmanuel Forbes clearly had the better year than McKinley Jackson. But uh, what a good problem to have. So a couple of conclusions you can draw from this. Uh, of the previous 20 years, 10 of Mississippi's top-ranked prospects signed with Ole Miss, 10. And if memory serves me correct, only four of those 10 were drafted and two of them were in the seventh round, right? Mississippi State has had five of the last 20. Four of those five have already completed their college careers. Three of those four were drafted. The one that was not drafted was Delwan Robinson, who signed as an undrafted free agent and still played three years with the Houston Texans. So four, basically, State has gone four for four of guys playing multiple years in the NFL. So of the four top players in the state that Mississippi State has signed in the 2000s, all four of them have gone and played multiple years in the National Football League. So basically... If you're the number one player in the state of Mississippi and you come to Mississippi State, you've got a really good chance of going in the NFL. Auburn has signed a couple. Both of those guys went on pro careers. Uh, Jason Campbell, I guess, played nine years, and uh, Sean Coleman's in year five. And then USM, LSU, A&M, Georgia uh, all signed uh, one. So they're missed. They signed one. So I thought you guys would find that interesting. wanted to share that with you today and listen we love you here in Starkville we'd love for you to be here more regularly now I don't want too many of you guys to come because I don't want to have to wait to get a uh, you know a table at uh, Bulldog Burger but I think it's important that we kind of get together when we can and uh, listen I love living here I, I was telling Roy and uh, and his wife over dinner that uh, you know I came here from Mississippi State but I stayed for the people the people here are outstanding uh, I love living here, and you will probably love living here too. And so if you're considering making a move to Starkville, or maybe you're just looking for a new place in Starkville, let me encourage you to give the folks at Portico an opportunity to serve you. You'll be glad you did. Portico is a brand-new residential development right off Garrett Road behind the Chrysler Jeep dealership. Uh, it's 1.1 miles from campus with easy access to 82 uh, and 25. It's going to be a pretty big complex, but it's not going to be one of those that you're going to be on top of one another, but you're going to be close enough where you can have some friends. And that's important, too. A lot of these neighborhoods in Starkville, people get out and cook out together and have Super Bowl parties. I got some friends of mine. They don't, they don't really go anywhere. They just kind of go around their neighborhood and kind of hang out. This is going to be one of those kind of places. You're going to be able to kind of get to know your neighbors if you want to, if you want to. Also going to have a walking trail there, and there's also a pavilion, so if you want to get together and kind of have a – you know, a kind of an outdoor get-together and a gathering, you can do that. If you want more information, and you should, call Brooks Bryan at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Portico could be your new home. And make your next move your last move right here to Portico in Starkville, Mississippi. All right, so that brings up a question. You know, Steve, who's going to be number one this year in Mississippi? Well, that's a great question. And uh, there are a lot of people right now that believe Kamari, Kamari Rogers from Holmes County Central High School 
should be number one. I, I don't know if I agree, though I do agree he is probably a top two or three player in the state. One of the things that uh, concerns me is his size, not necessarily his length, but his girth. I mean, he, he's, he's really thinly framed, and so I'm eager to see how he grows. Because that's the thing, too, when they're juniors like this, sometimes they make a big jump athletically between a junior and senior year. There's a lot of stiffness at time with juniors, and by the time they get into their senior year, they've kind of grown into their frame a little bit. And so I'm eager to kind of watch him grow. I, I want to see what he looks like this summer, right? I mean, it's like I saw him this fall, and I want to see what he does in the next few months. And I think that that's uh, – that's going to be interesting. But, yeah, this he's legit. I mean, this is a guy that really plays the ball well. He's excited about playing football. Uh, he's, a, he's a competitor. I mean, and he is an explosive player. My only concern about him is, um, you know, the size. And people say, well, he's built like Forbes. He's not as big as Forbes. Now, he may eventually be as big as Forbes, but he's not as big as Forbes. Not yet. Forbes, uh, I think, had a little bit better frame. Uh, even at this point. But, uh, you know, again, I have a lot of faith in Tyson Brown and his staff. And so if Rodgers has the weight on his frame without hurting his athleticism, I think we can all feel really good about that. So I don't know if he ends the year number one, but I think he's definitely in the conversation. Now, maybe because of the fact that I went to Columbia High School, I like Jaheim Otis. He is from Columbia High School, and I know some people, there is a debate with some, they like Xavier Harris better than Jaheim Otis. I think Otis is a little more polished at this point. That's not to say that Harris wouldn't. I, I would like to sign both of these guys, Jaheim Otis from Columbia and Xavier Harris from Germantown. I think if you sign those two, it would almost be like signing Fletcher Cox and Josh Boyd together again. That's not to say that one of those guys is going to be the highest paid defensive tackle in football. But those two guys came in as freshmen and played as freshmen and really kind of changed the trajectory of D-block, right? Those were kind of the, the innovators of that whole deal. And so I kind of see these guys as similarly situated. I think if you're able to sign them both, and that's going to be a tall order, you may end up splitting them. I know LSU leads for Jaheim Otis right now. That's what I'm being told from back home. But a lot's going to happen between now and signing day with LSU. Xavier Harris is a guy that has uh, talked openly about Mississippi State. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Alabama, right there at the top. So let's say if you split the two, you've you've done awfully well. And, again, I, I think these three, I think you can feel good about one of those three will probably end the year as the top-rated prospect. Now, the top offensive line prospect in the state of Mississippi is Bryson Hurst. Lada Gaucher, who has Mississippi State as his leader. And he's actually discussed the possibility of making an early decision. That's not to say he's going to do it in February, but he may do it by the end of spring. An early decision favors Mississippi State. I think State's done a good job recruiting him. He's got a bunch of offers. He does want to kind of get out and go see some schools. And there are many prospects like him that are hopeful that the prohibition on unofficial visits is lifted April 15th. The top linebacker in the state, in my mind, without question, is Stone Blanton from MRA. Mississippi State's been blowing him up here in the last week. He had an hour-long Zoom call with his staff here a couple days ago. 
he is definitely a priority to this class. It's a guy that grew up a Mississippi State fan, already committed to Mississippi State baseball, wants to play both sports in college. I'm actually told Clemson might be our biggest competition. I know some people at Ole Miss will tell you it's them. I'm told that it's not. I'm told that if he stays in the state, he's absolutely going to Mississippi State. But because Clemson has a great baseball football program, uh, that, that they could be a threat if they eventually offered. They are recruiting him. The top receiver in the state's Larry Simmons. He's already committed to Ole Miss, and that was a little bit of a surprise, to be honest with you, especially the timing of it. It's not to say that it's over by any stretch of imagination, but that's a good early get for Ole Miss. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Branson Robinson is the uh, number one running back in the state. My contacts tell me the state's still very much in the mix there. I know recently there was a list put out that LSU, Alabama, Georgia, uh, some people think he's one of the best running backs in the country. I do too, but I don't know that um, he'll finish top five or so at the position. I do think he's probably a top 10, top 15 running back in America right now based on the early returns. That could change a little bit, but we'll kind of see how things progress. Uh, Another guy that I really like that can play multiple positions is already committed to Mississippi State, and that's Dakota Jordan from Canton Academy. Really like him a lot. He's committed to Mississippi State baseball and football, and he's a guy that can do some special things with the football in his hands. Of course, he is an MLB draft risk, so we kind of see how things progress there. There's a couple of other guys that State leads for that uh, are names you should know. Linebacker J.D. Stewart from Greenville Christian, originally out of Greenwood High School. I think he could be one of your earlier in-state commitments for the Bulldogs. And then offensive lineman Carter Edwards from Press Christian, Actually grew up in an Ole Miss family, but uh, is very serious about aerospace engineering. And uh, his dad told me wherever he goes is going to be a school that has a great engineering program. Uh, so that could be Mississippi State, could be Central Florida, could even be Air Force. But uh, he is a guy that's going to do kind of do a little bit like C.J. Johnson, where it's an academic first type decision. And this is one that would actually favor Mississippi State because of our our strong engineering background. So those are some things and some names to kind of consider. I know many of you guys are just kind of getting over signing day and you're thinking, okay, well, all right, Steve, who are some names we should be looking at? And a lot of people are like, well, who are the out-of-state names? Guys, I'm going to be honest with you right now. There are already 25 players in the state of Mississippi for the 2022 class that already have SEC offers. 25 players right now. Before spring evaluation period, uh, before summer camps, there are already 25. Now, we rarely have 20-plus SEC signees in the state unless it's a really big year, right? This is a really big year. And to be honest with you, you go back a couple of years, you know, uh, and I, I told everybody when it happened, you know, that 2018 class, there's like, oh, there's so many great players. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of guys in that class that you're going to look back and say, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe those kids are rated so high. There are going to be more busts in that, in that historic class that, uh, listen, I've, I've been covering recruiting in Mississippi uh, longer than anybody except for probably Gene Swindoll and probably as long as Yancey Porter. And uh, I submit to you I had probably seen more Mississippi high school prospects in the last 20 years than anybody in this industry, bar none. And I can tell you that class had a lot of holes in it, but a lot of people got caught up in the stars and a lot of people got caught up in the claimed offers. The reported offers and the written offers are often much, much different, right? So there are some guys out there 
that have had some good early success in their college careers, and there are some other guys that have been incredibly mediocre, and I don't see a lot of upper mobility for them. So I think we're going to look back in a couple of years and we're going to say, you know what, that class was really overrated. I don't feel that way about this one. And one of the reasons why is I don't think we're going to have a ton of four stars. I think we're going to have a ton of 87 to 88 high three-star type guys that could play their way into four stars as a senior. But a bunch of those guys that I think are going to have real value in the SEC in the years ahead. And that's where the depth in the class comes from, right? Everybody says, oh, well, you got eight four-stars. Yeah, it's true, but how many kids in the class actually signed the Power Five scholarship? To me, that's a true measure of depth. Not at the top, at the bottom. What happens in the bottom half of the talent pool? This is an exceptionally deep year in the state of Mississippi. And many of the guys right now that you're going to be sweating out come November, you don't even know their names yet. You don't even know their names yet. I'm telling you, it's going to be a great year. That's going to do it for today. If you hadn't done so, go to alphadogsbook.com and order yourself personalized copies of Stark Villains, Flim Flam, and Alpha Dogs. you got about a week left before Helen, before Valentine's Day. And uh, treat your sweetie to the gift of bulldog literature. You'll be glad you did. Matter of fact, I signed a handful of books over the weekend. You know, people kind of getting ahead of the game. And so look forward to doing that. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and you darn well should be, go to starkvillains.com. Order yourself some T-shirt and hoodies. It's going to be cold for a little while. You're going to be, you, you'd be happy to wear a Stark Villains hoodie uh, during baseball season, I can promise you. Listen, we'll see you back on Wednesday as we get ready to preview the Bulldogs uh, game against LSU and uh, look forward to hopefully having some women's basketball this week. How about that? Wouldn't that be cool? But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.